When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Oh, brother! How are you, everybody? Welcome to podcast. Hope you're having great holidays. Today, special encore presentation, Mr. Jeff. Boxworthy, but first, a brand spanking new Waterhouse update brought to you by Corn Hell, the only cornhole game with a 20 foot drop into a fire pit. NFL COVID knocking out more people than Jason Statham. The Colts, like a nun who's tried vodka punch for the first time, they just keep coming at you. Packers luck is beginning to rival only DJ Collabs. The Rams working harder than anyone in the country except maybe Andy Cohen. And a Washington player threw a haymaker at a teammate on the sideline. I tell you, this nickname dilemma for them is wearing them down. That wrap-up sponsored by Gascade. Let your wind out in gentle, hard-to-pinpoint waves with Gascade. College football, COVID chaos. Rutgers replaces Texas A&M said opponent Wake Forest. Uh, Yeah, that cool. Central Michigan replaces Miami, said Central Michigan. You'll pay for travel and everything? And the whole Fenway Bowl canceled, said the one guy with tickets. My toddler bought him by accident online. That wrap-up sponsored by Tempura-Pedic, the lightly fried adjustable mattress. NBA! Golden State, so hot, the supermodels union said, hey, back off. College hoops, Hofstra arrived late due to travel delays, still beat number 24 Arkansas, said Hofstra coach Speedy Claxton. From now on, we're showing up later than Cat Williams. And finally, this week in sports history, the date, 1892. The place, Salisbury, North Carolina, Biddle University, beat Livingston College 5 to nothing in the first ever black college football game. At halftime, the marching bands did the most smoking version of Sweet Adeline you have ever heard. This Waterhouse Update sponsored by English Pleather, the politically correct cheap cologne. Now, folks, here's one of my favorite episodes. It's uh, featuring a great comic, great guy, and long-suffering Atlanta sports fan, the one and only Jeff Foxworthy. Enjoy and happy holidays. Jeff Foxworthy. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing great, Chad. How are you? Oh, man, I'm I finally, we finally connect to talk to each other. Let's dive right in, get a little bit about Jeff Fox with you. I know you're Atlanta, born and bred. Are you a diehard Atlanta sports guy? Always I, have been, Chad. The, uh, in fact, if you'd have asked me a month and a half ago about the Braves when Acuna went down, I would have said, 
we're done. We're sellers. Yeah. We're sellers come trading time because the Mets look like they were gliding along. And boy, yeah. what a difference five weeks makes. I tell you, you guys are all in it. There's like uh, Phillies, Mets, you guys, uh, outside shot for somebody else to sneak in there. And uh, you're all battling it out at about four over 500. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't go over 500 until the middle of August. And, and I, the other day, I went, holy hell, we're in first place. How is this possible? No that's other division like, in baseball is this possible. That's like when you build push carts when you're a kid and suddenly you look around and you go, everybody's broomstick broke. We're in first. <laughs> Let's go. So what is the... Uh, What's the greatest memory you have of Atlanta sports? The one that's most inspiring to you? Uh, well, the earliest one I have, I was actually at the game with my grandfather in 1969 when the Braves clinched uh, going. Felix Mion was my favorite baseball player. Uh, he was oh, the best because I played baseball. I played second base, but they clinched, and I was so convinced as a little kid we were going to the World Series, and then the amazing Mets plowed through them to win the Yeah, those thing. damn Mets. Get them this year, then. I have to ask, what's the most demoralizing moment in your Atlanta sports uh, history? I think I know what it might be, oh, but I'll check it, with you. For an entire city, the, the loss, 20, winning 28-3 to 3 in the Super Bowl, yeah, and, and actually, my daughter looked at me going into the fourth quarter. She said, oh, my God, Dad, we're going to win a Super Bowl. And <laughs> I looked at her and, like, put my finger to my lip, like, don't say it out loud. And I got to tell you, the next day, because I'm a big sports radio guy, I've never, I've never seen an entire city like that. Like, the sports talk radio, they, they would come on and go, I, I got nothing. If y'all want to call in. <laughs> If you, I got, I, I didn't prepare one thing. If you want to call in, fine. These I are mean, guys who like uh, can can make tw- a twenty minute segment out of the third line of the New York Islanders. Yeah, and they were stumped. Yeah, oh, that was I, a hard. I, I mean, if, and, and there is something in this city like we feel like we're jinxed. You know that we cannot win at all. I mean, the Bra- the Braves finally did in '95. Yeah, they we through. won the division 14 years in a yeah. row. <laughs> went to the World Series 97 <laughs> times, and we won it one time. So yeah. that's a hard one. Well, you know, you got the Hawks on the rebound. They're looking good with Trey Young, and and uh, uh, you know the Braves are starting to come around. And the, you never know; those Falcons could pull it out. Now, now this whole comedy thing for you worked at IBM. For like five years. I did. And I was I was the guy that was in the break room doing impersonations of the boss. <laughs> and then somebody would tap you on the shoulder and you would turn around and the boss would be standing in the doorway. And that was I was <laughs> that, that was, guy. Yeah. yeah. Sponsored incidentally, Jeff, by Medieval Knievel, the jousting daredevil. <laughs> so was it killing you? Did you have something inside of you that's said, boom, I got to slide into comedy fast? Or were you content to just sort of be the, the break room clown? I was kind of content. I didn't know there was an option. I thought you had to work for a living. <laughs> I honestly, because when I was a kid, I would save my allowance and I would buy comedy records. And, you know, back then it was Cosby, whose name you can't mention. But right. Uh, but Newhart, Flip sure. Wilson. Right. Uh, and. 
I, I would memorize them. I'd go to school and do them. So I was always making people laugh for as long as I can remember. I just never knew that was a career option. And a bunch of guys I worked with at IBM entered me in a contest, not an amateur night, a contest for working comedians called the Great Southeastern Laugh-Off. And I'm like, crap. So I went home and wrote like five <laughs> minutes about my family. And I went down there and I, the first time I ever went on stage, I won the contest. Wow. And I knew, I knew a minute into it. I'm like, I'm quitting my job. This is it. And that's like the Usain Bolt of comedy there. You just stepped on the track and boom, it hit. Well, and my wife, my, I met my wife that night. She was an actress. She was there rooting for one of the comics she had just filmed the thing with. <laughs> so you won a contest, stole a dude's girlfriend and walked out. <laughs> yeah. Why not? And, you know, 37 years later, I'm still with her. But she was the only person, like, I kept going, crap, I'm going to quit my job at IBM. She was the only person going, you you got to do something creative or you're going to explode. You, you yeah. need to do this. And yeah. everybody else is like, no, you can't quit IBM. And But I did. I, I, I'm like, I quit. My mother's first question was, are you on the dope? Whatever the dope was, <laughs> are you on the dope? And I'm like, no, I'm not on the dope. I said, I think I, I really think I can be a comic. Five years later, I was on Johnny Carson. Same mother is going, you know, you wasted all those years at IBM. You wasted five years. You could have been a comic. You know. Classic sponsored incident. Your mom's opinion sponsored by Chef VRD, the gender neutral can of ravioli. So I remember being on the road. I was calling events like a weak-handed axe throwing championships and things like that in the early 90s and seeing in your first cassette at a truck stop in Iowa. And I thought to myself, how did this guy do that? That was before anybody was really doing that. You went out, got your album. It went crazy, but you had to have pushed that yourself. That's my, that's my guess. That was a, that was a great, you talk about a great financial deal, Chet. That, this guy came in, he, he, he was making truck stop tapes. He said, I'll give you, I'll give you, um, $2,500 for every 30 minutes of material. So I crammed together everything I had and I gave him 90 minutes. He, he gave me 7,500 bucks and he went on to sell almost 4 million of my tapes and I had no royalties. Oh, so he man. made, he made, <laughs> you know, 30 million bucks off of this and I made 7,000. So that was, so let, let me scratch the next question, which was, have you always had a good business mind? <laughs> Sponsored by Porn on the Cob, Iowa's number one adult store. Now, listen, let's talk uh, turkey here. You hook down to you, the you might be a redneck thing. It's become its own thing. It's like larger than life, uh, parodying on SNL, on the talk shows everywhere. It's bigger than life itself. But I want to break it down comedically a little bit because there's two amazing components to this thing. The first is great jokes. Like I said, tight, 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 incredible jokes that people kind of rolls over them. It's almost like Sam Kinison shouting. They just go, oh, he shouts. And you go, no, no, these are incredible jokes. Then the second thing, this kills me. You took the setup and you put it last. You, you, you tell the joke for like, if you had to climb a water tower with a bucket of paint just to save your sister's dignity, you might be a redneck. You took the setup and put it last. 
that took some stones. When did that, when did you get the, the guts to do that? Well, I don't, I don't, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't until about I'd been doing it. It's like seven years into it. One day I'm sitting around a rich Scheidner goes, you do know you're doing the, you're doing the punchline first, right? You know that, right? And I'm like, <laughs> oh crap, I guess you're right. I never thought about it, but, but what made it, you know, they were one-liners. We live in an age yeah. nobody does. I don't do one-liners. I'm much more of a storyteller. But I think because there were so many of them, and I knew when I got on stage, I was just going to be, it just kind of felt Speed like. Bag. A, it felt, yeah, it felt like the rhythm of it almost. Yeah. You know? I think it's a little bit of that Southern storytelling, too. It's like, uh, get the laugh and then slide something in, you know? Yeah, it kind of works up to the, you know, like Spade would used to imitate me on SNL with it. (laughs) And he wouldn't even say you might be like, you know, but it would kind of arc to that point and just kind of fade away. It's almost (laughs) like the setup was the throwaway part of it. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, Sponsored by Gunga Dan's for really mild Indian food. Try Gunga Dan's. (laughs) See, this is, I'm still back five minutes ago laughing at something. You don't even give the stuff time to breathe. Uh, Now, this blue collar tour thing, you guys, uh, you you launched into that. uh, And that was, now, did you think to yourself, oh, we can't call it redneck tour? We can't call it cracker tour. I mean, did you put some brain on that and go, we got to find a term that's not going to create, that's not going to lose this audience? Well, when when uh, the Kings of Comedy started, I, and I lived in L.A. for about seven and a half years, but I'd moved back to Atlanta. And Atlanta was one of the first stops for Kings of Comedy. And so there was an article about it in the paper, and I was reading it, and it said that it was a show for the urban hip audience. And I called Ingvall, and I said, man, these guys are killing it. I said, there's got to, I said, but urban and hip is leaving a lot of people out. Right. We need to do something for those people. And, and yeah, I mean, it was like Redneck was too. It, yeah. and, and so I'm just thinking, you know, not hip, just the working class guy. And that's yeah. kind of how the blue collar came about. Uh, we were going to do it. We each, you know, we picked somebody to go with us and we were going to do it for three months. And we ended up doing the, I think the first tour was three years. We had no, we had no idea it was going to blow up like that. Oh yeah. You tapped into that sponsored incidentally by three guys from Italy restaurant. Why do you got to know their names? What's it to you anyway? You like the food? Shut up and eat. Let's talk a little sports. You're an outdoors guy. You got a whole thing going on hunting and fishing. Now, do you have one of those boats you can control with your feet so your hands never have to stop fishing. You got one little, of those cool the, things. The little bitty paddle boat thing. Yes, I actually do have <laughs> the, one. No, that. I don't. Yes. I read the, the, the gas yeah. part. Oh, you have a paddle boat too. You got a paddle boat. Yeah, the little, you know, like you rent it out on the Saturday afternoon for the kids. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I like fishing. I'm, I'm a bow hunter. I About 15, 20 years ago, I converted, it, which was like starting all I wanted to see if I could do it with a bow and arrow. And uh, once I started that, I never picked up a gun again. Now, does that take you a little closer to the roots of hunting in terms of uh, uh, 
A, getting food. B, uh, the, the whole, a lot of people don't know the conservation movement in this country actually began with hunting as one of the pillars of it uh, because you had to thin out herds that were not thinning out naturally and things like that. So I would think bow hunting might get you into the roots of that a little, a little harder even. Yeah, you know, any piece of land, I don't care how big it is, can only support so many animals. So the goal of a hunter is to keep it at that top level that that piece of land can support, because if it gets over that, they start eating the natural food sources down to the point that they don't reproduce. And so nature will level it out, but it's much, it's a much more severe curve where right. hunters want to say, I, I just want to keep maximum carrying capacity, but I don't want it to go over that. And the bow hunting thing, it, it, there's a, I mean, it sounds stupid. There's an intimacy about it. I mean, you could take a gun and shoot something at 400 yards away, you know, whereas with your bow, you're usually within 20 yards or so. And yeah. so. You, you, there's a very, there's a sense of accomplishment with that because it's very difficult to pull it off. Well, Um, plus there is a, uh, not even uh, only half joking, there's kind of a fighting chance, like what, regardless of what you're hunting, if you just graze them or miss them, they can literally look up and you're there. You're, 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 you're two 10 yard runs, two first downs from, A bear, a buck. And and he can go, are you talking to me? And boom, goes after you. And now you're in trouble. Well, and people that don't hunt, they don't understand. They they think you shoot everything you see. And, you know, during the course of a, of a, of a deer season, like on my farm, I may, I may sit there and watch 500 deer, but there's only, I want to take the oldest ones out of the herd and all. And so there, there's many times I'll be sitting there and I'll have a deer within 10 yards of me and I just never move and they graze on and they go off. And it's like, I just want to tell them later, dude, while you were eating your breakfast, there was a guy with a bow right above (laughs) your head. You never knew it. You never knew it. So you're doing tree stands. Yes. Oh, I'm up like 25, 30 feet in a tree. Now, tell me you're not, uh, have you poured uh, animal pee on yourself or any of that stuff? That's the, it gets I a little have, crazy. I have. I have uh, That's a little crazy. Dude, I wouldn't I blame. Uh, I'm hunting. It's just kind of kind of like a little cologne <laughs> for me. Like, you know, you do, riding, to, yeah. you do riding buck and let the chips fall where they may yeah. on date night. So it's uh, just, uh, you just try to keep Ron White away from me at that point. <laughs> 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 that's impressive all right let's wrap up with a couple of quick questions here because i know yeah we talked uh falcons what's it going to take for atlanta to get over this falcons hump are they going to have to get back and win it or is there a way for another franchise like the hawks or someone to pick up the the mantle could could a win in baseball or basketball uh, replace the heartache of losing that super bowl yeah, I, I, you know, it, it, the Hawks this year, nobody projected them going no. to, to, to the finals, you know, and, and actually pushed Milwaukee to the brink. But yes, uh, that really invigorated this city, you know, to go, oh, wow, these guys play as a team. Oh, wow, this guy, Trey Young, uh, he's the real he's the real deal. And so, yeah, I think somebody else doing it. I mean, obviously for the Falcons. That that would 
I don't know when you live in, see, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan too. So I come off that Super Bowl. And here's the thing that pissed me off the most about that was I know for the rest of my life, when they do these 30 for 30 on on Tom Brady, (laughs) the cherry on top, the cherry on top is always going to be coming back and beating my guys, you know, so, (laughs) but then, so you have that Super Bowl and then the next year, Georgia, with a true freshman quarterback goes to the natty and is winning in overtime and Tua flings one. Yeah. yeah and and so the last play of the game. So both of those, they were a year apart. And, and so you just go, I, I can't have living here. It's like dating a prostitute. And, and so every year you look at her and you go, Listen, I forgive you for I forgive you, but if if I go all in, you're not you're not going to cheat. You're not going to break my heart again, right? If I go all in, you're not going to break my heart. And she just looks at you and goes, "No, that I never go, I'm not going to do it again." And then you go all in, and then she, you know, you catch her in bed with your best friend. I mean, that's what being a sports fan in this town is like. Unbelievable. I cannot top that. Sponsored by my pillow case. Make any pillow your pillow with my pillow case and gazoon tights, the leotards that help cut your sneezing in half. My guest today, the incredible Jeff Foxworthy. Tell the folks how we find more of you where I, I know tours may be up in the air right now uh, or hit and miss. Uh, but you got 26 books. You probably got another one coming out. I know you got a, a, a Bible challenge. I know you got a ton of stuff in the hopper. Yeah, always got a, got a game out there, relative insanity. It was the number one game on. I, I, and so I during COVID, I wrote four expansion packs for this thing. I couldn't do stand up. And this is a game you can play at home. Yeah, I wrote 500 punchlines, and then I wrote 100 setups about relatives. And the wow. idea of the game is to get the biggest laugh. Uh, That's so, great. Uh, I got that. I'm actually going back on the road starting this weekend. Uh, going to be doing a new special this fall. So, yeah, life's good, dude. So keep your eyes peeled for Jeff Foxworthy. He's worth every damn cent of it. Jeff, one of the bigger kicks I've had here on the show. Thank you for coming out. You bet, Chet. What an honor to be one of your guests. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Jeff's album, What Was I Thinking? Streaming now everywhere. The Play With Pain mugs are up at jeffcesario.com. They're up right about in that corner right there. Yeah, you click on that and they tell you how to pay them. Anyway, if you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Burnt Lagoon, Missouri for the over 65 Lumberjack Games defibrillators are free sponsored by jehovah's witness protection disappear into the warm grip of the lord at jehovah's witness protection this is chet waterhouse reminding you to play with pain